Hello and welcome. This is 21. Episode 19.1 Arena of Sport, Arena of Blood So I apologize for the random two-week hiatus. Last week I wasn't going to be here because I was out of town, but life happened a couple of weeks ago and I was unable to do the show that week. I apologize for that randomness, but I am back now and we can move on to the next wonder on our list. Your senses are completely overwhelmed. The cheers from the crowd, the screams of the wounded and dying, the roars of the animals, and the smell of death is literally oppressive. The year is 192 AD. You wonder how you ended up in this small dark hallway about to walk to your death. You glance around you at the other men. On your left, you notice one man is kneeling and he seems to be praying. He must be one of those Christians, you think to yourself. You know a few Christians, and while you don't understand how they could only worship one God, they seem decent enough as a group. A loud roar and the rattle of chains yanks your gaze to your right. A strange beast you have never seen before is being dragged towards a large door. This beast is absolutely massive, it's orange with black stripes, claws that could rip your face off, and teeth to match. It glances over at you and catches your eye. You can see the fear, the same fear that you know is in your eyes. But moments later, the men dragging this big animal yank it into a cage adjacent to the door and lock it in. They begin poking and prodding at it with sticks, agitating the beast. For a split second, you wish you could trade places with it. You know the only difference right now between you and it is the fact that the creature might make it out of this ordeal alive. Another loud roar of cheers from the crowd above you brings your attention back to the situation as a whole. An incredibly large man with a scar across his right eye begins walking up and down, inspecting the men in the hallway. He tells you what a beautiful, glorious thing you are doing, dying for the glory of Rome. How is dying for sport glorious, you think to yourself? But it's almost as if the large man can read your thoughts, for he slaps you across the face and yells right in front of you, Are you ready to die for Rome? You're dazed, so you don't answer immediately. But this prompts another slap and he asks the same question, even louder this time. Yes, sir, you shout back. He and the other guards around you begin to cheer. As they cheer, the large wooden doors in front of you open up. The guards draw their swords and begin to push you towards the opening. But you can't seem to move your legs. It's as if they've turned to jelly. But you have no choice. You approach the doors Take a deep breath and step through. The sunlight is almost blinding. The reflection off the stands around you and the dirt and sand rising up to fill your nose adds to the sensory overload. The sound and smells you heard while waiting 
are even stronger now. You can't help it as you vomit. The smell of death is literally overpowering. Around you, you see a few lions chained to certain places throughout the floor. You see some of the guards dragging that black and orange cat to a spot on the floor. A lion lay dead there. They unhook the dead beast and fix the new one. The cheers from the crowd get even louder at the sight of this new beast. As your eyes become more adjusted, you see another group of men standing on the far side. They are well-armed, well-armored, and chanting in some foreign tongue. But the crowd soon picks up on the chant. You look down at yourself. You are naked, armed with only a small circular shield and a short and frankly quite dull sword. You understand how this game is played. You will not survive. Before anything happens, the Emperor himself stands up in his private box and begins to make a speech. He thanks everyone for attending his games, and now he hoped that they were enjoying themselves at the show. The loudest cheer yet is the response. He then gestures to an attendant, and they announce the next stage of games. After he is finished, a gong sounds and the men from the other side come charging towards you and the other men, being careful to stay out of range of the big cats. A bead of sweat trickles down your forehead and lingers on the edge of your nose. You almost chuckle at it, for you know that this will be the last time something as trivial as this will grab your attention. From now on, only death awaits what you are participating in were quite frequent during the Roman Empire, gladiatorial games, and these were held in the 19th wonder of the ancient world, the Flavian Amphitheater, or, as it is more commonly known as, the Colosseum of Rome. One of the most iconic images of the ancient world, the Colosseum of Rome stands even to this day as a symbol of the power and wealth of the Roman Empire. But as always, before we get too far into this wonder, some context first. Rome's expansion to the dominating force of the ancient world did not come easy or without cost. It took the Romans centuries and millions of lives to assert their dominance over the known world. And there were leaders everywhere who looked to supplant them. From Hannibal of Carthage to Viriathus of Iberia, and Bodica of the Iceni. Revolts, rebellions, and resistance were a frequent occurrence in the Roman Empire. As such, life in the Roman Empire was hard, with the threat of attack or an uprising always lingering in the back of everyone's mind. To help the people not focus on all this potential death and destruction, the Romans came up with a genius way to distract the people, but also a way to build up a good rapport with the people, as well as a means of generating revenue. But most importantly, these events could bring the people of the Roman Empire what they desperately wanted. Blood. In order to do this, the Romans decided to build massive arenas and tracks, which were also called circuses, for games and races. The circuses would hold chariot races. The most famous of these was called the Circus Maximus. 
one of the honorable mentions to this show, the Circus Maximus was one of the most popular places to watch a race. Constructed during the 6th century BC, it could hold up to 25,000 people and was originally built for the Roman kings. However, the chariot races held there were a win-any-way-you-can type of affair. The charioteers would bring whips, swords, and spears with them to try and kill the other charioteers. Some men would have spikes implanted on the outside of their wheel wells, so that way when they drove next to someone, they could destroy the other man's chariot, throwing him to the ground. Men who would fall off their chariots would often get trampled to death. This lust for blood and death amongst the common people would only grow as the Roman Empire expanded. So the Roman emperors found a new way to engage with the people. They would build coliseums, or arenas, to host gladiator matches. To be a gladiator was considered highly honorable in Roman society. But their origin was far from anything honorable. Obviously, all the Romans wanted to watch bloodshed, and not have themselves or their neighbors be killed. So the Roman emperors engaged slaves, prisoners of war, and others who found themselves out of favor with society to be gladiators. As Christianity began spreading throughout the Roman Empire, Christians were often sent into the arena for their non-worship of the Roman emperors. These groups of people would go through intense training to be skilled enough in combat to be entertaining, but usually not good enough to be a threat. But training men to be killers can backfire, and it certainly did against the Romans. The Spartacus revolt in the first century BC showed the danger that gladiators could have on Roman society. I won't go into too many details about the Spartacus revolt here. That in and of itself is a whole nother podcast. But Spartacus was a gladiator, who rallied other gladiators around him and led a revolt against Rome. He and the other gladiators were highly skilled in combat, and thus were able to overpower many of the Roman soldiers. It was a brutal revolt, as both the Romans and the gladiators were merciless, inflicting massive casualties upon the other. The Romans eventually killed Spartacus and crushed the revolt. But despite the devastation from this revolution, the Romans' infatuation with gladiators only grew as the empire's borders continued growing. The more peoples that were conquered, the more slaves for gladiatorial combat there were. These gladiators would then be sent to fight each other, wild animals, or sometimes just to be executed in the arena. I will spare you some of the gory details as to how this happened. But if you have ever seen the movie Gladiator, that's pretty historically accurate. Needless to say, the sheer carnage that took place in the Colosseums around the Empire was previously only reserved for the battlefield. But now, it was in Rome's backyard. And their love for it grew and grew. But nothing shows the Roman obsession with gladiators than the Flavian Amphitheater the biggest sports arena in the world for centuries. Now, sports arena is a misnomer. It was more of an organized killing field. But it became the heartbeat of the Roman Empire as a whole throughout the final centuries 
of Rome's dominance. Construction of the Colosseum began in the year 72 AD under the Emperor Vespasian. In one of the great ironies of history, the site for the Colosseum was once a lake and gardens for Emperor Nero, which he built after a number of homes and apartment buildings were destroyed in the Great Fire of Rome. Before Nero's gardens, the site of the Colosseum once housed a heavily populated area, including a number of large apartment buildings. It was a quite marshy area though, but it was close to the Palatine Hill, where the imperial residence was. Rumor has it that Nero started the fire in the city so he could watch it burn and lay claim to any of the land he wanted. Supposedly, he even sung and danced while the city burned. While I personally don't believe either of those assumptions to be true, nevertheless Nero was far from being popular with the Roman public, and made the most of the horrific fire. He lived an elaborate lifestyle, more so than the other emperors while the public struggled. And here, he was building a garden for himself, on the ashes of Romans. His lavish gardens and lake were a symbol of the eccentric lifestyle he lived, so it's only fitting that upon the ashes of Nero's reign, one of Rome's most hated emperors, rose up a place where there was much enjoyment, entertainment, and in perfect Roman fashion, blood. After Nero's death, civil war raged in Rome, as different men tried to grab for the imperial throne. Four emperors ruled in one year, and it looked like Rome might never recover. It looked like it might be civil war until the empire was finally destroyed. Fortunately for Rome, this would not be the case, as the fourth of these emperors, Vespasian, finally brought back some stability to the imperial office. He was popular, and he and his sons, who would rule after him, tried to bring the empire back to a place where it had been under Julius and Augustus Caesar. A place where the Senate had power, everything did not run through the imperial office, as well as the public being given priority. Vespasian and his sons initiated massive public works to restore Rome to its former glory that it had been just a few decades ago, before Nero and before the civil wars. The culmination of these projects was the construction of the Flavian Amphitheater. Vespasian's desire with the work projects was to remind the world that Rome was the center of the ancient world, and it deserved to look as such. The Colosseum itself was funded in a rather unique way. This is one of the things that I love about history. Each time you examine it, you learn something new. The funds for the construction project came from the spoils of the Jewish-Roman War and the Siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. This was the war that followed the Jewish Revolt. It's highly possible that the Jewish prisoners taken in that war were the main workforce in building the Colosseum, as Vespasian is rumored to have said, with the spoils from this war, I will build a new amphitheater. While there's no archaeological proof of this, it does correspond to how Romans would further humiliate the peoples that they had conquered. And in similar fashion, it's highly likely 
that these Jews were the first to participate in the unruly events. Before any work on the Colosseum could begin, though, the lake had to be drained and the gardens were removed. This allowed the ground to become more firm and stable, unlike the marshy land it had once been. This new dry land would be more stable in case of earthquakes. As we have seen numerous times on this show, earthquakes were the great wonder toppler. But the Romans were not going to let something like earthquakes stop them. Once the ground was ready, they dug foundations 6 meters, almost 20 feet down, to provide extra stability. The Colosseum was built from locally quarried limestone, but also from wood, bricks, concrete, and volcanic rock called tufa. Now the name Colosseum is still a bit of a mystery to us today. It's possible that the name could come from the gigantic bronze statue of Nero, which stood at the entrance to the Colosseum. Upon the completion of the Colosseum, though, this statue was altered to look more like the Colossus of Rhodes, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. If this is the case, the name Colosseum makes a little more sense. The finished dimensions of the Colosseum were beyond impressive, even for Roman construction. It was by far the largest building in the city of Rome, and it was one of the largest construction projects ever undertaken by the Romans. The finished Colosseum stood 45 meters or 150 feet tall, had a width of 189 by 156 meters, or 620 feet by 511 feet, had an arena floor of 87.5 meters by 54.8 meters, or 287 feet by 180 feet. It had an awning to provide shade for the up to 50,000 spectators that the Colosseum could hold. The Colosseum in its heyday was much like our sports stadiums are today. There were large crowds, vendors selling food, drink, swag, and all kinds of trinkets. There were gatekeepers, security, and royal suites for the emperors and senators whenever they wanted to attend. The basement held training rooms, barracks, and quarters for the gladiators, as well as cages for beasts to be used in the arena. The entire complex was one of the most intricate and impressive of the ancient world. There were trapdoors built into the floor to allow beasts, chariots, and even scenery pieces to be added or removed from whatever was happening. If a gladiator was almost doing too well, then the emperor or game managers could quickly turn the tables to ensure the gladiator would die. There were also plenty of booby traps, areas on the floor where if you step there or leaned against a spot on a wall, spears, axes, arrows, swords, or maces would come flying out, killing whoever happened to be standing there. The entire arena was built for one purpose. Blood. The Colosseum of Rome is the only wonder on this list built solely for entertainment. All the others served some other purpose, either as a tomb, a temple, a military structure, or some public works, like the Great Library. But the Colosseum is unique. It was designed, built, and used only for entertainment. And perhaps this wasn't such a good thing. 
but we will have to get into that in two weeks. Sadly, again, I will not be here next week as I will be out of town once again. I apologize for the numerous delays. But when we return in two weeks, we will look at the history of the Colosseum, and we will go into some greater details about some of the legendary fights, battles, and ultimately, empire-dooming events that took place within its walls. Yeah.